The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome back to another edition of NFL University, the show where we educate you on all things across the National Football League. I'm Steven Serta of Arrowhead Pride. Because the Packers triumphed over the San Francisco 49ers on Sunday night football, today on NFL University, we're going to spend some time diving into the worst takes of Kyle Posey from Niners Nation. If you appreciate KP's willingness to show up for this podcast, we ask that you please subscribe, rate, and review the show. We're in the five-star business, so please send us a screenshot of that review on Twitter, and you can even mention your favorite of KP's worst takes. Also dive into the crash course and update our rookie report card a little later in the show. And we've got to have a conversation about Ben Roethlisberger, as well as some of the surprise last place teams in the NFL right now. Let's stop wasting time. Let's get right into it. I'm joined by Justice Mosqueda of Acme Packing Co., as well as Kyle Posey of Niners Nation. Justice, do you need to take a minute to peacock the win, do whatever you need to do to get ready for these takes? Oh, I'd just like to thank, you know, the right side of San Francisco's offensive line, first and foremost, because that was a get-right game for Green Bay's D-line. I'd like to thank uh, Kyle Shanahan. For just not using Trey Lance enough. Um, I was petrified every time he was on the field. Um, they gave up one touchdown, and then they gave up, like, a, a first down on, like, a Kyle Juszczyk quarterback sneak. And I was just happy it didn't go for a touchdown every single time Trey Lance was in the backfield. So, shouts to Kyle for that one. Hopefully, uh, you know, you can get over 500 at some point. Matt LaFleur's got a higher win percentage than uh, Bill Belichick. But, you know, no big deal. He's, he's boy genius, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get into it. You got you got some of KP's worst takes. Let's hear them. I'm, I'm excited. I haven't looked at them yet. I want to be as surprised, and I want to get KP's authentic reaction and what he was thinking when he sent these tweets. Let's go. Number five, KP. Read it off. Better edge rusher. This is, <laughs> this is so bad. December 26, 2013 is how far we're going back right now. Better edge rusher, Demarcus Lawrence or Scott Chris, I don't even remember how to say his name. Scott Crichton. Um, what, where did he go? He's a Pac-12 guy, right? He he was in Minnesota. He finished with uh, zero 
NFL sacks in his career. <laughs> okay. And DeMarcus how many does Lawrence he all have? All um, uh, I've heard he's done well. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I don't. Scott Crichton. I don't. I don't even know who that is. I'm assuming he's not like related to the famous author Michael Crichton, right? Probably uh, no he's relation. Better than D Law, according to KP. <laughs> Never know. Still time. All right. Let's keep this train moving. If Applebee's were a GM, they'd work in Philly, running laps around everybody else. This was in 2018, which is not good because the Eagles, as you can tell, do not have much talent at all. Um, not sure what that account was thinking on March 9th, 2018. Is- Applebee's and Howie Roseman <laughs> is a hell of a combo. Like all, all Howie Roseman does is run people out. And, and undercut them and keep his own job and somehow stay in the owner's ear and keep his own gig. Applebee's. What's what's the Applebee's? Yeah. Name? Yeah. What's the connection with the Applebee's? So my brand back in the day was just like Applebee's was good. I was <laughs> that, just, uh, we'll just, just, at that. just crushing two for 20s. Two for 20 for the win, baby. Okay. Let's keep this train on the tracks as much as I want to go off the tracks with me on the train. Patrick Peterson said Melvin Gordon reminds him of a young Adrian Peterson. Kind of selling Gordon short. No. November 25th, 2018. We are talking about the starting running back on an undefeated team. What do you mean? All right. All right. Is he is he a Hall of Famer? Is he a Hall of Famer? Is he going to win an MVP in, in a passing era? Good. I can't even I, I don't even fault you on that one. I'm sure I got a bad Sony Michelle take out there or something. The good news is it gets worse. Clone Anthony Lynn. So somebody said, clone Sean McVay. Uh, beware one of them turning evil. And I quote tweeted them January 11th, 2019. Mind you, after this is when they're on the run to the Super Bowl, pretty sure. Uh, clone Anthony Lynn instead. He's like McVay if McVay won a playoff game and was tall enough to ride rides at Disneyland. <laughs> you, you were one of the Anthony Lynn apologists. And I for was. some reason... You just wouldn't admit that he doesn't he doesn't know how to like manage hey, a game. Early on, there was a lot of hype around Anthony Lynn. I, I don't I don't fault you for that one either. I could see it early on that early run he had. There was a lot of optimism around Anthony Lynn. I just know, hey, look, I don't want Anthony Lynn managing my timeouts ever. Ever in the NFL. It's I will over. always give you the benefit of the doubt if you work with Bill Parcells. I will give you the longest leash ever if you work with Bill Parcells. There are coaches who did not work out. Anthony Lynn is one of them. Horrible, horrible take. All right, final one here. December 19th, 2016. This guy, I was so hyped about him. When I watched him play, I legit thought he was going to be a good player. I watched him play this training camp. My mind has not changed. So Jordan Willis is going to be a first rounder. He'll blow up the senior bowl, have a good combine, and be a quote-unquote riser. That did not happen. (laughs) We are (laughs) still waiting for Jordan Willis to turn it on. He is suspended six games. He will be back, and he will lead the 49ers in sacks this year. And I will be right. As Justice says, never wrong, just early. He he's like his sixth year in the league. <laughs> he, has, he has five and a half sacks. It's just absurd. He t- he turns like a boat still. Um, goodness gracious, KP, and that that was just basically me Scratching solicitating those f- after uh, Sunday night. And 
I sent the signal out there. You retweeted it. You're a good sport about it. The Chargers fans, mm. my God, you you hurt them. You hurt them because they were all up in my mentions just sending every take that you've ever had. Yeah, it was rough. And I told them, man, drag me into oblivion. Go for it. I deserve it. There are some rough takes here. Um, our buddy Eric Stoner was sending me my own tweets about how terrible I was. So I'm glad that you didn't use any of those. Or our pal John Shipley, he could have erased both of us, if both of our teams won. So uh, thank you for not using either any of those tweets. Yeah, if I would have lost, I would have gone sent to the moon. You had too many people in your camp uh, helping Oof. you out. It would have been great. We've all got bad takes. So I, I don't think those were all horrendously bad. I, it's I, I've, If our listeners dove into all of our Twitters, I'm sure they'd find something that we'd all be embarrassed about uh, when it comes to the NFL. But let's dive into the rest of the show. Guys, we've been talking about the Pittsburgh Steelers offense nonstop. We've been talking about Ben Roethlisberger nonstop. And things are just getting uglier and uglier week after week for the Pittsburgh Steelers. They're not putting up points. Ben Roethlisberger just looks absolutely washed. Is there an answer here? Because I know Justice was high on Matt Canada, and I don't think it's Matt Canada's fault. But I don't think the Steelers are going to be able to turn this thing around right now. Why is that? Because Let's talk ben, about it. Because did you see number ben seven fall, falling over like a decrepit old man last week? Just hey, taking be, the snap best shape of his life, man. Just best taking the snap and his hip just gave out and he ate the dirt. Hey, whenever you can target your running back 14 times, you got to do it. Whenever you can target him on fourth and 10, you got to do it. His arm is one of the worst that I've seen. Like, remember Peyton Manning when he was shot? Peyton had a better arm than Big Ben, and I'm not exaggerating when I say that. He has to put everything in his power to throw the ball 20, 30 yards. When he has to move the pocket, when he's flush from the pocket, it looks like Big Ben, Big ben is moving in slow-mo. I feel bad for the receivers because he can't get them the ball, man. I don't know what Pittsburgh thought was going to happen because Big Ben was bad last year. And knowing that, thinking that the guy who's, what, 39, 40 years old is going to improve – with the style of play that he plays with, um, I don't know what they were thinking. And now they're stuck because what are you going to do? Are you going to play Mason Rudolph? Are you going to play Dwayne Haskins? No, you're not. And either they make a trade at the deadline or they're punting this season because I don't know how that offense improves anytime soon. And poor Najee Harris is running into brick walls now. Um, I, I see people showing screenshots of this and that, but uh, it, all, it all comes back to old Big Ben. What do you got, Justice? No, I agree. Um, if you look at Najee Harris's uh, the the amount of times that he's hit in the backfield, it's real bad. Um, did he get hit in the backfield when they checked it down on fourth and ten against drop eight with the game on the line? That that was Lord. one of the most just like the guppiest plays by a guy who's forty years old playing in the NFL. Um, that's something like if a JV kid did that, you'd be like, we talked about this in practice. Right. What, are, what are you doing? It's fourth and 10. He has a swing route and he, he gets pressure inside, right? It, it looks like pre-snap pressure. The linebackers are walk down inside. You still got to make a post-snap read. You can't just based off of uh, what it looks like pre-snap, just dump the ball immediately. And it seems like that's kind of like Ben's MO right now. He just wants to be like the check down guy. And I know, you know, in the media, he's saying, I want to be more aggressive. I want to be this. I want to be that. Pittsburgh media is all, all full blown, uh, full blown assault right now. Of like, hey, Ben, Ben is not 
being put in a good position. But like at the end of the day, guys, this comes down to him. No, no coach told him to check it down to his swing route on fourth and 10 against drop eight with a game on the line. Like this is bad. And to your point, I mean, this is who he was last year. I don't know what they thought they were going to get. Um, obviously, you know, Matt Canada is a very interesting offensive coordinator um, in terms of all the shifts and motions and stuff. But I did have, I mean, I, we talked about Matt Canada coming into the season. I, I was very excited to see that offense in the NFL. Um, but my big concern was like, how does this mesh with what Ben is? Cause your quarterback, you kind of had to play him like how McVay and Shanahan play their quarterbacks and Ben can't make those plays on the move. I mean, he's right. falling down out of the, in, in the gun, just trying to throw like slants and stuff. So it, you can't really like boot him or anything like that. So I, I kind of thought this was like their transition to life after Ben. But if it was that transition to life after Ben, it seemed like everyone other than Ben got that memo. <laughs> and, and, and Ben very much wants us to know that he didn't get that memo. So I don't even know what, yeah, I can't make heads or tails of this. This The Steelers, especially with TJ Watt's groin injury, um, are in a tough spot right now. They're a blitz-heavy team. I mean, you see them wear the Blitzburg shirts and all that stuff. Last week, they basically couldn't blitz because they didn't have TJ back there. So this team is very much in shambles. I know Tyler Boyd, uh, Tyler Boyd from Pittsburgh, went to University of Pittsburgh. Went On uh, his post-game presser, he went on a rant, and he was saying, yeah, the Steelers just quit. Look at him on oh. the last few plays of the game. They just straight up quit. I saw that. And I was like <sighs> – Goodness gracious. That and then uh apparently Rogers said something nice about Pittsburgh on the uh Pat McAfee show yesterday. So now they're like, We're getting Rogers next year. So oh, yeah, Steelers, Steelers fans are going through a lot right now. The hometown kid doesn't like him, but Aaron Rodgers said something nice. Ben Roethlisberger's, you know, probably he's he probably should have retired two years ago. It's not it's not great in uh the Steel City. I do think it comes down to a culture thing in Pittsburgh where traditionally as a franchise, they just keep people around like they, they traditionally don't move off of people very fast. And it's, you know, from the general manager, head coaching, even some players like you got to be willing to move on from Ben. Sorry. And they weren't willing to do that this offseason. And now it's putting them in a bad position moving forward. I, I don't know how things improve there this season uh, unless he literally gets a bionic arm or something like that <laughs> halfway through the year. Cause it's not going to get better. What we saw his arm die about midway through last season. And it looks like it's still dead. Like it, it, he's a skyscraper standing in the backfield who cannot move around. Their offensive line isn't particularly good. It, it's just all bad for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I don't see it getting any better. I mean, there's a surprise one and two team, I guess, at the bottom of the AFC North. And I don't think it's that big of a surprise. I was really high on the Browns coming into the season. And the Baltimore Ravens are a good football team. And Cincinnati looks like they're improving. I'm still not sold on them. But the Pittsburgh Steelers just aren't very good. And Ben's going to hold them back throughout this entire football season. I feel like they're going to be holding on to that week one win all season. Like, that's all they have. That's all they're going to have because I don't see how they beat any sort of team that is just semi-competent. So the Steelers, here's a flashback. The Steelers haven't scored a first-quarter touchdown in 11 games. Straight. Yeah. 
on on offense. They had one on defense. It was a pick six. That doesn't count. We're not we're not giving that one to them. But I mean, it's bad, guys. It's bad. They can't get their offense moving. Um, I do wonder if TJ Watt was playing in that Bengals game. How different that is, just from like schematic standpoint. But especially the way the Bengals play. Yeah, but I mean, soft tissue injuries. I mean, TJ Watt might be out again this week, and you got Aaron Rodgers. That's a lot harder than Joe Burrow, so it's not going to get better anytime soon. Yeah, their their offense is just straight up hard to watch right now. Like, I, I don't even have any interest in watching another Pittsburgh Steelers game and hoping that it shows some signs of life. I do want to take another look at a couple other one and two teams uh, or starting in the AFC. Obviously, I work for Arrowhead Pride. We cover the Kansas City Chiefs. Chiefs are also one and two after dropping two consecutive games after their uh, big week one win against the Cleveland Browns. Guys, I, I don't know how much of a deep dive you've really done on the Chiefs so far this season. Obviously, I've watched every single snap of every game that they've played. The defense just sucks ass. Like, there's no other way to put it. Their defense is just really, really bad. And the last game was probably more on the offense and the turnovers. And, uh, you know, three consecutive turnovers to start the game, a fourth-quarter interception from Patrick Mahomes. That's not going to help you win. But this defense is just bad right now. They don't have a good pass rush. Their secondary is terrible. It, it's going to hold them back, but I'm not at a point where I'm like total panic mode with the Kansas City Chiefs and their one and two start. Yeah, they still have Patrick Mahomes. Um, they, I don't know. I don't think Josh Gordon is going to be able to give them anything. Uh, he hasn't really looked – he hasn't played well in the last couple of years. I don't think that he can run anymore, but they still have Tyreek Hill. They still have Travis Kelsey. Mahomes – He's getting in this habit, and it's been there since Texas Tech where everything wants to be hero ball. He doesn't have to do that. He needs to know that it's okay to have a possession that ends in a kick. It's okay to check the ball down here and there where he doesn't have to throw the ball up when a defender, he's in the grasp of a defender, and it seems like he's doing that more and more, even more so than he has in previous seasons. But this team, they always do this in the regular season. They go through the motions, and they use the regular season to kind of figure it out to get to the second half and to get to the playoffs. So I don't think I'll ever be worried about the Chiefs as long as they have the quarterback and the head coach that they have, no matter what's going on on the other side of the ball. Oh, just what do you think about their defense? Their run game is tough uh, on the defensive side. I mean, Bolton isn't giving them whatever they thought that they were going to get out of Bolton. He's playing a ton of snaps. He's not doing it particularly well. Um, this past game was Chris Jones still at uh edge rusher or was he playing inside? Because I know they were bumping him outside at, early on in the season. They're moving him around, but he's still playing a lot of snaps outside. That's crazy. You should just be playing him inside, honestly, right. and and find a smaller guy because he's going to give you enough pressure in the interior where he's going to get penetration in the backfield and help you there. Um, especially with a guy like Bolton. I mean, Bolton's really kind of like a run and chase guy. I broke down all these front seven guys coming into the draft last year for Bleacher Report, but he's really a run and chase guy. He's not going to help you in coverage that much. Um, I really think that you need to move Chris Jones inside, just lock it down there and then just say, Hey, we have to find another pass rusher. And, you know, in a couple weeks, a couple of teams are going to say, Hey, we're not actually competing to, to make the playoffs. And we probably need to unload some of these contracts. And the Chiefs will be in a position to kind of take advantage of that, I would think. I've seen Chiefs fans ask to sign Jamie Collins. That's where they are nope. with their linebacker nope. depth. No, no, no. That's how bad. Jamie's legs are done. 
at the second level. Oh, he has it's over. It's he over. doesn't look like he's yeah. He's 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 cooked. He's washed. But uh, Nick Bolden, not great, and he does not like contact, and that has been an issue every week this season. Their second level defenders are just eating them alive right now, and I don't know what Spags can do about that. But it's definitely a personnel problem. And you mentioned moving Chris Jones inside to maybe protect those guys since they are running chase players because they're getting free runners at them and they want nothing to do with coming downhill when they have an offensive lineman at them. And uh, it's been a big problem for the Chiefs defense so far. Yeah, they got a lot of issues tackling Uh, Anthony Hitchens, who I still contest is one of the worst contracts in the NFL. Uh, one of the definitely the worst that Brett Veach has signed since he became general manager for the Chiefs. It's just a big problem at linebacker. There's this hope amongst Chiefs fans that Willie Gay Jr. is going to return from IR this week and he's going to solve all of their issues. Never started a game for the yeah, he hasn't played. <laughs> how, how many times do we have to hear this? So he's an athletic player. He's more athletic than what they got. Uh, but I'm still not confident that Willie Gay is gonna come in the game and like be Ray Lewis all of a sudden and just fix all your linebacker problems. Like it, it's just not that easy. We're seeing that it's not that easy. I still think this defense has more talent than they've shown so far. I think they'll get some things figured out, but I don't think they're ever gonna be better than they were last season. Like that might have been the best version of this particular unit with Frank Clark and Chris Jones and Frank Clark's banged up right now. He's supposed to practice this week and they might get him back, but it's just not very good on that side of the ball. And, but yeah, I I am with you guys where it's hard to just count out Patrick Mahomes ever. Um, He is making more mistakes this season. It seems like, and I think that all goes back to the super bowl and the way things crumbled there because he just had pressure in his face all night. And we've seen that multiple times this season where he's drifting way too much, even before he has to, where he'll have a clean pocket and he starts drifting outside because he feels like he has to make a play all the time. Like you were saying KP. So I do think the chiefs are still good enough that they're going to figure some things out. Um, I do want to talk about Seattle real quick too, though. They started the season one and two in another very tough division in the NFC West. Uh, with the Niners, with the Cardinals, so and and the Rams, of course. But I, I'm curious how you guys feel about the Seattle Seahawks because I still think that you know they got Russ. They can figure some things out. I, I'm still worried about their pass rush and their defense and the inconsistency of the offense. Where you know it, it might be uh, time to start running the ball more, if you ask Pete Carroll, because that's the it. Thing always goes. Uh, like, so how do you guys feel about the Seahawks in the toughest division in football? Because it looks like it is an uphill battle this season. So you can do whatever you want to against them on defense, and that is a problem. The Vikings were able to throw the ball down the field, do whatever they wanted to. Um, I imagine teams will have a lot of success running the ball against them. I don't know that they have much of a plan. I don't know what Ken Norton is really doing. Sure, you know, there are talent issues on the outside that they're they're younger. I don't think they're they have great just physicality in general. They have great linebackers, but like if that's the best part of your defense, that's probably not a good thing because uh, they're not great up front. They don't have speed. They don't have athleticism. They don't, they don't get after the passer, and that just makes your secondary more susceptible. So defensively, they have a, plenty of problems, and their offense just hasn't been able to be consistent. Um, they go through stretches where they look dominant. They look great, and then they have a quarter where it's like, what are they doing? What are you guys trying to do here? So – Uh, Nothing really makes sense about this team, but I feel like we can say that every year about the Seahawks. 
It feels like they're really young um, defensively. You you could see it in their breakdowns and their like run fits and how they handle play action. There's just broken coverages downfield, and Minnesota kind of exposed them a little bit. You know, they're a boot action team too. Um, I know uh, Ben Baldwin was was tweeting out some clips of uh, they the Vikings were running flood and they had wide open guys on all three levels <laughs> of the flood, which is never what you want to see. Never nope. never want to see that. Um, I do wonder, though, like Seattle, I mean, we, we you already talked about Pete, right? I mean, Pete wants to run the damn ball, man. Like, he, that's the era of football that he comes from, and that's what he's comfortable with. And we do this every year where they're like, let Russ cook, and then they get two losses, and then Pete goes, oh, actually, I want to go do the thing that's, like, extremely comfortable for me. And especially when, you know, you lose to Tennessee, when Tennessee is just pounding the rock on you in the second half um, after they had hashtag established it in the first half and then you lose to the run action team in Minnesota and it's like oh no is Pete gonna tilt is, is this the week is this the week that we stop letting Russ cook oh, Pete was probably looking at that Tennessee game and Derrick Henry just going nuts and just be like, that's a dream that's I can't that, that, like, that's what we want to do out. here baby yeah it's yeah, tough but- man because like the thing with Russ right like Russ Russ honestly freelances so much and he gets off of his spot in the pocket so much that it's tough for his offensive line to block it, which is fine in spurts and certainly in certain situations you want him to do it. But he does it so consistently that in the passing game, really where Russ thrives is just those shot plays. So like you get in this tough spot where it's like we want to pass the ball. You're good at shot plays. Why don't we just do that off of play action instead of you know, having you just basically have the keys at the line of scrimmage every time, you know, we're trying to have you be kind of like what, what Stafford is in uh, Los Angeles right now. We're not trying to have you be like Drew Brees, you know, in new Orleans. And I, I think that's the, the conflict that is just like, seems like it's just ongoing in Seattle, especially with, you know, Russ and stuff that comes out with Russ talking about, you know, Hey, he actually, he wanted to go to New York. Hey, he like really thinks about his legacy as like one of the NFL's all-time passers and he's not getting the opportunity to show that. And it's like, oh, those are a lot of factors for a team to manage around when they just spent two first round picks to pay Jamal Adams. And, you know, that, that certainly hurts your like talent infusion. So everybody always wants the Seahawks to throw the ball. I would love to see their numbers with Russ in the quick game because I would guess that they are not good. And when you talk about just how he operates in the deep game and those shot plays, those moon balls, you're going to get big plays out of those, but you put your offense behind the chains. And then when you do want to run the ball, now it's second or now it's third and eight because you didn't do anything on second down. And then that's why he's flushed from the pocket. That's why he's trying to make a play because uh, I really do think his height is an issue. And we see that time and time and time again. So uh, their their issues on offense, uh, they're deep. And going back to their defense, their success rate against the pass is 60%. That is comfortably the worst in the NFL. They can't get off the field. They can't get stops. You mentioned the breakdowns. So having being young at the worst possible spots against the teams that they have to play week in and week out, uh, not a great recipe for success at all, man. Before we hit a quick break, I want to take another look at a 3-0 team, the Las Vegas Raiders, uh, one of the bigger surprises probably so far of the NFL season. Derek Carr legitimately playing at an MVP level, and that's been getting a lot of love, but I want to take a look at the Raiders' 
Gus Bradley led defense. The Raiders pass rush has actually been fantastic so far this season with Max Crosby, Yannick Ngakwe. It seems like it's performing a little bit uh, above itself right now. Like I, I don't feel like they're going to continue that because they've been insane and their secondary really isn't that great. I, I'm curious how you guys feel about this early season Raiders defense and if it can sustain the pace that it's put up so far. Can you name the quarterbacks that the Raiders have played this season? Uh, not off the top of my head, but I can. I know they got Lamar Jackson, Jacoby Brissett, Lamar Jackson, and Ben Roethlisberger. So Lamar, obvious outlier. The other two are not. <laughs> we just spent a whole segment on this podcast talking about Big Ben. We know what Jacoby Brissett is. So their numbers look great. Like if you weren't, if you didn't apply any sort of logic, you're looking at them like, oh, top ten defense and essentially every stat going down the line, but. It's going to be really tough to sustain that. I do think they're a talented team. I do think they're a good team. I don't know if that's going to last against the likes of the rest of the AFC West because they're going to face some really tough quarterbacks and they're going to have to be able to score. So it's going to put more pressure on Carr to perform and play at the level that he has been playing. And I do not know that that's the case. Um, Still team Gruden over here, man, but uh, don't have much faith on the other side of the ball. I have a lot of faith in that offense as long as that offensive line can hold up um obviously the car thing i mean i'm in wait and see mode to make sure that this isn't another car mirage because i feel like we've been down this path before um nothing against him it's just like i just want to i just want to see it i want to see it consistently we've seen flashes of this since 2016 but i just need you to put like a, a full month together before i can buy into it defensively i mean crosby and yannick right now look like the best pass rushing duo in the league because I mean, they've, they've gone against three straight poor offensive lines. I mean, the Ravens basically just gave up an offensive tackle to the Chiefs this offseason. Um, and then Miami's struggled to put together an offensive line, and everyone in Pittsburgh left last year. So, you know, that that's not a great situation to be in for, for any of those teams offensively. So I, I want to wait and see on that pass rush um, just because, again – Maybe maybe a mirage, maybe a, a result of strength of schedule on the offensive line that they're seeing. Plus, uh, Jonathan Abram, I don't know if you guys have seen him on tape. He's he's hurting the Raiders still. Um, so they they got to figure out a way to get him off the field or, or give him some more help in coverage. He's going to play. He's not going anywhere. So why? Gus Bradley, that's what they do. He plays with that heavy safety, and he does not care if he can't run. He does not care if he can't cover. Gus Bradley wants a guy who's going to be physical in that role. Uh, Put Cleveland every year. He's not doing anything else. (laughs) We've seen it every year at every stop for every team that he plays with. That's just the Gus Bradley style of defense, the mentality he wants. I'm going to sacrifice coverage for physicality, and it it comes back to bite them at the most inopportune times every season. Yeah, Jonathan Abram, former first-round pick. Uh, I don't know if you guys remember him from Hard Knocks a couple years ago, but he might be one of the most annoying players in the NFL. (laughs) Uh, So I don't mind seeing him get cooked in in that secondary, if we're being completely honest. We do need to take a quick timeout, uh, but when we get back, we're going to dive into the crash course. Uh, Maybe talk a little Adele Brady-Belichick promo as we get ready for Tom Brady's return to New England. Also, we need to discuss what's going on with the Philadelphia Eagles. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent... 
You want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. I have some exciting news for you, class. Your time starts now. NFL. Crash course? This doesn't happen very often. You're going to enjoy this one. Welcome back into NFL University. I'm Steven Serta of Arrowhead Pride, joined by Kyle Posey of Niners Nation, as well as Justice Mosqueda of Acme Packing Co. Before we dive into the Eagles and all of their issues ahead of their Sunday matchup against the Kansas City Chiefs, guys, we got to talk about this Brady-Belichick promo that they ran on Sunday Night Football ahead of Tom Brady's return to New England this week. It was featuring a singer by the name of Adele. I'm not going to lie. I don't have a ton of Adele in the playlist, uh, but I do know that song. It's just a hilarious picture that they're painting ahead of this matchup. Like the the heartbreak of Brady leaving New England and coming home to Belichick. I don't even think that these guys care for each other at all anymore. And if you read the... uh, ESPN article that came out today about some of the behind the scenes of that relationship unfolding near the end. It sounds like there's probably not a lot of love lost between those two. Is there any chance in your mind that Bill Belichick knows who Adele is? For sure. Uh, We've seen pictures of him all dressed up for Halloween and stuff with his little girlfriend. He he definitely knows. He's, He's heard the radio at some point in the last, you know, 20 years, but Wickersham, way to drop the promo before like uh, the biggest Brady uh, Patriots matchup and probably that we're ever going to see. So, out of boy for the plug. He knew what he was doing. Yeah, make no mistakes. Yeah, make perfect. no mistakes. It was perfect timing. I just, I love the. You said idea. they hate each other now. You 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 said you read it. I haven't read it yet. I'm going to read it like as soon as this is done. Yeah the the article makes it sound like they do not care for each other uh it sounds like there's a lot of rocky relationships in that organization uh it's a fantastic read if you get time i I highly recommend uh going for it is that is a huge game this week i think that we're all really excited for uh i'm just I, i did take a deep dive on bill belichick's music preferences to see if he's ever commented it's gonna be like bon jovi isn't it so he's a huge Bon Jovi fan. Oh. He's apparently really good friends with him and has even at one point was at a Bon Jovi concert backstage and John Bon Jovi brought him on stage to sing the chorus of a song with Charlie Weiss. And then he's also 
a huge Christmas Carol fan. Like he oh, loves yes. Christmas music. He was asked once about it because apparently it's like a thing that he does around Christmas time. He goes Christmas caroling and asked what his favorite Christmas song was. He did not have a comment on his favorite song, but he did say that he just loves all of them. So I did <laughs> not he just uh, like mumbles it like just under his breath. I don't I don't know. Maybe he gets really into it. I just did not peg Bill Belichick as a Christmas carol guy. It sounds like his girlfriend's forcing him to go do that. If he can't name one song, he does not want to be there. His girl tells him every day or every Halloween, every or sorry, sorry Halloween, every holiday that they're going to have to do this. You're coming with me, whether you like it or not. And that's where my mind just went as far as Bill Belichick singing Christmas Carol. Like, come on, man. Are you going to see him outside in Boston um, singing Christmas carols at the top of his lungs in front of a crowd? Like, that, that doesn't sound like Bill Belichick. They got to get him in the front of the room like they got the rookies. Show the pipes. Show the <laughs> yeah. pipes, Bill. Yeah. Yeah, he did in the video clip where he mentioned his love for Christmas songs, did have that kind of weird, awkward Bill Belichick smirk. Like when he when he's going to smile, but he's fighting it with everything because he doesn't ever want to smile or act like he has a sense of humor. He got that little smirk and like perked up a little bit when he started talking about Christmas music. So there's a deep rooted passion in Bill Belichick's soul for Christmas songs that I was completely unaware of until this week when I decided to do a deep dive on it. Do you, do you think the Pats fans are like, cause the Pats are going to lose this game, right? Yes. Do you yeah. think Pats fans are going to act rationally knowing that they're probably going to lose this game coming in? Or do you think the the pain will overcome? No, zero rational yeah. is going to happen this week. We know how Pats fans are, man. Uh, who, who The better question is, who's going to get the blame? Is it going to be Belichick's fault and they're going to just rehash everything, say they should have kept Brady and let Belichick go? Because that's what I feel like is going to happen. I think after a three-interception game by Mac Jones – there could be a lot of Patriots fans who just turn on their rookie quarterback after this game. Oh, but he was so good in the preseason. Oh, but he was so good in the preseason. We saw the same thing with, like, what? who was it? Daniel Jones, yes. his rookie year in the preseason. Um, obviously, I mean, I don't know if we want to go into the rookie quarterbacks again, but, like, Zach Wilson um, looked good in the preseason. Uh, yeah, why are we even watching these games? I, I've been I've been hoodwinked. I th- I thought I got a beat on these teams in the preseason, and then nope, nope. Yeah, old once again. Well, we'd been doing the rookie report card, but uh, I mean, I don't feel like we need to do that every week until uh, somebody has a good game here. Like it, at this point, it's just. Trey Lance is the only guy we're holding out hope for at the moment because he just keeps scoring touchdowns on his one or two snaps a game. Have you guys seen the rookie of the year odds? It's crazy. Lance is like third on rookie of the year. (laughs) He's played like seven snaps this season. It's insane because they're like, well, it has to be a quarterback. But like Jamar Chase is doing well. So I guess we'll put Jamar Chase. So it's like Mac. It's like Jamar Chase. Then then him. I know a pro gambler who's put money on uh, Rashawn Slater winning rookie of the year. Oh, my this year because this (laughs) class is so bad. Like it's. It is it is bleak. I mean, Najee can't even get to the line of scrimmage. It's not even his fault, but it's the offensive line's fault. But, I mean, is Chase going to run away with the Offensive Rookie of the Year, like by default almost? Waddle right, got tackled doesn't... for a safety, right? That's always a bad sign. <laughs> and Jalen Waddle, if the Dolphins' offense showed any promise at all, I would be 
stoked for Jalen Waddle. Like he's leading that team in targets. He's getting volume every week, but he's averaging like four yards uh, a catch because everything's just dump offs to Jalen Waddle on the sideline. It, it is just absolutely horrendous for the Miami Dolphins. But I do want to talk about another rookie wide receiver as we transition to the Philadelphia Eagles. They got a big matchup against the Kansas City Chiefs this week. Also one and two. We saw in Monday Night Football, the Eagles got some problems. Their offensive line is banged up right now. They had a ton of protection problems. Nick Sirianni and his highlighter. Can we talk about that for a second? Actually, he he got he has the highlighter in the pen in the visor. It's like the new Matt Patricia pencil, I guess. Like you can't you can't look at what Matt Patricia did with that pencil and the way he made that famous the last couple of years and then come out wearing a visor with a giant bright pink highlighter attached to it. Like we got to get rid of that first, Nick, and then we'll figure out the things on the offense. What are the Eagles doing with Jalen Hurts? What's the plan here? Losing football games, buddy. Uh, are they tanking? Games. Like, what are they doing? Are they waiting for uh, Deshaun Watson trade to happen? Seriously, like, what is the plan on offense? I don't. I don't think there is one. Their their plan on offense is like, uh, how about we don't get fired this year, and hopefully the Colts play Carson Wentz enough where we get their first round pick. And. I understand that we had the questions about Jalen Hurts ability as a passer coming into the season. And we all, I think kind of assumed that he was going to struggle a little bit there, but he's still developing as a player. Their offensive line's bad. And Nick Sirianni did him absolutely no favors in that game where they got a defensive touchdown early, but once it was apparent that the Cowboys were able to just move the ball, it will against them. He didn't even try to run the football which seems like that's the best thing you do on offense right now. He immediately said, we're just passing the entire game and we're going to try to win that way. And it seems like that's a bad strategy going against a high powered Dallas Cowboys offense. They started off with like six straight passes. I, I, I tuned into the game a little late. I like got in halfway through the first quarter and they were like, yeah, six straight passes. And I was like, oh no, because if, if you're going to run the ball, you got to get those in. Dallas is about to take this lead and, and you're going to be out of your run script entirely. I was watching the Matt, the Manning cast, which is pretty good, but they got to stop with the guests. It, it just needs to be Peyton breaking stuff down and then Eli right. busting his nuts. Um, but Manning was talking about how, or Peyton, I guess they're both Mannings uh, technically. Uh, Peyton was talking about how, you know, pre-snap, like everything is right for Jalen. He's getting them into the right protections for, for what they're coming into. He's seeing, where the blitzes are coming from and turning the play away from it. But then the ball just is not getting where it needs to be. And it's just a ball placement issue. And he's, you know, Peyton talks about it. Like uh, they can't, they can't get in rhythm, which to a certain extent is probably true when you, you know, you're going three and out like that, but it's just not good. I mean, they probably need to be running him a whole lot more. Um, Use him as your run game because you obviously can't get your run game going. Like all these teams, you know, we see it over and over again, Trubisky with, with the bears, Daniel Jones with the Giants like guys the, these these quarterbacks just are not going to be Drew Brees and that's perfectly fine and you can stay in some football games with these guys but you got you got to run them you got to run them yeah I think the biggest part the biggest problem that I have is like the cohesion what you have Jalen Hurts you have Miles Sanders who is actually looking solid so far but 
they should build off of those two. They should have some sort of packages, running plays, where you're getting both of those two involved and you're also getting your first-round pick involved, maybe throwing bubble screens, maybe throwing just quick um, RPOs off of that and maybe getting the ball to jet sweeps in Jalen Rager's hands. But there doesn't really seem to be a plan to get any of their playmakers involved, which is why they're struggling, which is why they're not an efficient offense at all. Well, Rager's arguing with people on, like, Twitter. <laughs> that was like, amazing. Twitter, oh Instagram, and the DMs. <laughs> Turn him off. You're famous, man. He's very mad at what is clearly a troll account, it seems like. Right. The guy's like, no, just give me like 18 points in fantasy. And then Jalen Rager is just I'll beat you flustered. up. Flustered. Yeah, you gotta turn it off. Uh you got you gotta do the the no follower notification. Like if they don't follow you, you you don't see it. Turn off your DMs. Yeah. Help me or help me help help me help you, Jalen. Yeah, it's frustrating because you assume that their run game is going to be how they move the ball this year. And I think we all know that. And we were seeing that in the first couple of games with Jalen Hurts. And then as soon as they got in a negative game script against the Cowboys, they immediately abandoned it. Like Miles Sanders didn't even get an opportunity in that game. He had two runs. And his first run didn't come until halfway through the second quarter. It was just like Sirianni was like, we're just going to air it out. We're just going to air this thing out all night. Like That's our game plan against this offense that we absolutely cannot throw with. Yeah, you're outgunned on a short week. That That's probably an awful game plan, guys. <laughs> you, you can't win football games like that. I hope, I hope they realize that. I mean, I don't know how much they're trying to. I mean, the protection of the quarterback, right, always comes into play when it comes down to, like, running running a quarterback that often, especially at the NFL level when there there's literally millions of dollars on the line. Um, I don't know how that comes into play in Philadelphia, but if they're trying to win ball games, they probably need to run hurts. I mean, at, to a certain extent, like, if you're going to be passing the ball, how much more does, like, Minshew help you than, than hurts, you know, if, if that was your plan? I imagine the only difference there, and not the only, but is just when the play breaks down, that's when a lot of Hurts gets a lot of the yards. And honestly, he gets a lot of garbage time yards too. But yeah, they're going back to the plan. I don't know what they want to do. I don't know if they know what they want to do, but something has to change because um, on you mentioned that short week game plan. You would think they would have come out with some type of firepower, with some even type of opening script. Like, hey, we watch Dallas. We think we can do this, this, and this. That didn't happen. Yeah, and that was one of the craziest things to me because I, I don't really play, like, uh, fantasy in, like, redraft leagues. Um, I have, like, a couple, of like, dynasty leagues that I'm still hanging on to. But I did see the rankings coming into the season, and Jalen Hurts was way up there. I mean, he was, like, a top eight fantasy quarterback, and I was like, I don't – guys, I don't know if he's going to be starting in, in mid-October, you know? I, it's a It's a tough situation to be in. Uh, it's all the rushing yards that the fantasy community assumed that he's going to accumulate. But right. then on Monday night, they just chose not to do that. And it's not going to get easier this week against the Chiefs, who are themselves in, in desperate need of a win. So I can tell you right now, Nick Sirianni, if your plan is to come out and just try to sling the football against the Kansas City Chiefs, while their secondary is not particularly good this season – it's probably not a good idea to try to score with Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid that way. You got to try to slow the football game down. So let's get some things figured out in, in Philadelphia.
this week. I, I do want to transition, KP. We already got your worst takes after the Packers were able to win a thrilling Sunday night football game uh, over the San Francisco 49ers. We touched on Trey Lance for a quick second and how unbelievable he's been in the six or seven snaps that he's played this season and scoring touchdowns. Jimmy G had his moments in this game against the Packers, but he obviously did a lot of the Jimmy G stuff that we're used to. Are we feeling confident in putting Trey Lance in right now because of the Niners situation, given that we've seen all of these rookie quarterbacks struggle so much? So Kyle Shannon is talking right now at the podium. He just said, quote, there's no quarterback battle right now. Trey's our backup. This isn't the preseason. Going back and forth. God, he just drives me insane. <laughs> going back and forth all the time. Trey goes into specific plays. There's not a big decision going into it each week. End quote. Uh I don't know what else he wants to see, man. The offense is limited. There's a ceiling on the offense. The Packers were playing their safeties at 10 yards, and they were coming downhill. That does not happen in the NFL. They were not respecting any type of deep passing game. When that happens, you can't do anything on offense, man. When There's 11 people in the middle of the field like that is what it seemed like. But um, I don't know. We, we, we don't know about Trey Lance just because he hasn't played. It's funny just talking about the, the rookie of the year odds, the fact that he's up there so high just because he has scored. Um, I imagine there's going to be more and more of Trey Lance, especially if Jimmy G keeps playing like this. But the way that Shanahan's talking, uh, he's not going to be playing full time anytime soon. I think he should start receiving series at a time. But um, what do I know? I, I Why not roll with a quarterback who continues to turn it over and make rookie mistakes at the age of 30? If, if I were the Niners, what I'd try to do – I'd, I'd use tempo to get get Trey on the field and keep a certain defense on the field, right? So, all right, you want to go extremely heavy when Trey Lance is in on third and short? You're stuck in that now because we're right back on the ball after we convert that first down, right? There's ways that you can use Trey Lance in a, in a series, you know, to your point, um, instead of just as like a one-off player, you know, and – they used him as like a, a, a decoy, basically, on that use check run up the middle right. where use check motioned in and did a quarterback sneak uh, off of the motion. It's just very weird. Some of these coaches, it's like, wait, why did you spend all those picks on this quarterback then, right? So they spent three first rounders. The Bears spent two first rounders and four picks in total on Justin Fields. Matt Nagy can't even lean on his previous excuses anymore because right before the game he was saying all right you know justin fields isn't ready justin fields isn't ready justin fields isn't ready meanwhile his offensive coordinator bill laser is like justin fields can do all the things that we drafted him to do i don't know what matt Nagy's talking about <laughs> right before the game matt Nagy's talking about hey justin fields in practice this week man he was doing things that we didn't know that he could do and then they go into the game and just get completely just walloped walloped and it's, it's back to, yeah, Andy Dalton is our number one quarterback when he's healthy. And it's like, what is what is the plan here? Why why do you have a job still? Yeah, we haven't, we haven't really gotten into that, and we can do that before we get out of here. Obviously, we like Justin Fields. We think he's a talented player. And I don't think anybody on this podcast thinks that Matt Nagy set him up to succeed last week. But 
is that something that's going to get fixed? It doesn't seem like it as long as he's the head coach or he gives up the play calling because sure he's a rookie and he's still figuring things out, but like other teams that we've talked about on this episode, he's just refusing to do anything to help Justin Fields out. So they had success. Yeah. yeah. Jason Peters is getting his butt kicked. (sighs) Frankly, you know, they've had some offensive line issues, but like, we got to stop looking at these quarterbacks like it's a position. We have to start looking at these quarterbacks like they're individuals and putting them in positions to succeed. Like, lean into what they do well. These quarterbacks don't all have to play the same. Like, Matt Nagy, why are you trying to make Justin Fields Andy Dalton? Please do not do that. Let's use the moving pocket. Let's use play action shots um, from under center. Like, use the option. You don't have to be in a position where he's taken, what was it, like six sacks? How many quick game throw? Like how many quick game series um, did Fields have at Ohio State? Like what would you say? Because I don't think. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I don't think that there <laughs> that's were not any. What they did. But if you watch last week's game, that's all that they did. If right. you watch the week before against the Bengals, the best throws that Fields had overs, moving the moving the pocket, like you just said, doing things that he did in college. How do you go from? A week of practice, a week of no practice, where he comes off the bench and you call things that are for him, and then a week of preparation, and you just said that he said, uh, or that Nagy said he's doing a great job in practice, and you come out and do one, two, three, throw five man protection, where you're having your 39 year old freaking left tackle one on one with Miles Garrett. In what world are you setting your quarterback up for success there? And and they they have guys um, in the middle of the field playing receiver who just cannot get open against linebackers. That is a problem. If you can't win one-on-one, there's no way that you should be in um, five-man protection. So they need to just max protect, uh, move the pocket, as you said. Just run simple stuff. Run smash. Uh, Have guys coming across the middle of the field. Use Field's legs. (laughs) Let him be an athlete. He runs at four, freaking four, man. Take advantage of that. As, As tough as I am on Greg Roman, the great thing about him is he just lets Lamar be Lamar. And when you let your best players be the best players that they are, it's going to be very tough to stop them. Uh, that's not happening with Fields. And it does. I don't know if it's going to change anytime soon. Hopefully it does. Hopefully Nagy wakes up, realizes that, hey, he didn't do any of these things in college. I'm not going to ask him to do them now. Um, but he has a long way to go, man. I feel and bad you, for Fields. You can do some of the sprint out stuff from Gunn. I, I don't understand. This is one of the bigger things, too. A lot of people talk about play action they don't separate the boot stuff from the power pass, which is like deep downfield shots in the pocket. Right. And then boot when you're on the move, you can do some of that boot stuff without a play action and you can do it in the gun. It's just a sprint out. If you watch what like Clemson did with Trevor Lawrence, so much of their stuff is built off of sprint outs and it just changes kind of where the arm angle is. And you could throw from outside leverage of the corner in cover three. And you're like, wait, I thought we had that route covered. Oh wait, no, it's not anymore. You can do that at the NFL level. Um, you're probably going to not be able to have five players out in routes, but that's perfectly fine. If that's who Justin Fields is, I mean, I don't know how many times Tom Brady has five guys out in the route. It's not very often. It's so stupid, man. They, they just, they're setting them up for failure. And, and you mentioned just rolling the pocket and moving the field like that. If it has to be a two-man concept or even a three-man concept, just run snag, run spot, run very simple stuff, and fields will make the correct read if you are moving the pocket, if you are able to put him in a situation where he doesn't have to worry about running for his life every drop back, where he doesn't have to worry about, is, is my left tackle, is my right guard going to read what's going on up front 
And do you know? Do I have to protect myself there? They're, they're just not doing a very good if, job. If Miles Garrett lined up on a forty-year-old Jason Peters <sighs> on my left side, and I had Justin Fields at quarterback, my immediate reaction would be, "How about we sprint to the right and not let Miles Garrett make a play here?" That, I'll that put would a running back over there and let him chip him. Yes. But that's the logical thought process, whereas, like, you guys mentioned that he was doing some of that stuff when Justin Fields came into the game for an injured Andy Dalton. But it seems like the thought process after that game was then, okay, we were just calling that stuff to, like, help you out because you had to come in off the bench with no reps. Now it's time to run the big boy offense. This week, with the full week of preparation, you're running the Andy Dalton offense where you don't get to move at all. Worked out well. Oh, yeah, they're, I, they're gonna break him. They're good. They they are going to break him. I'm I'm much more worried about Fields and just like I don't know if you want to call it like culture as much as it is like environment, but like the environment in Chicago where you could tell like people are very uneasy and people are very like entrenched in their ways, and if they want to keep their jobs, it has to be because they're the reason why they're going 500 and and not the they they need a scapegoat right they need to not be the scapegoat so you have to establish like hey no our structure of our offense actually works that's why we still have our jobs in 2022 it just seems very toxic to me i i fully expect the chicago bears to announce that they are going back to andy dalton as the starter this week as long as his uh questionable bone bruise is fully healed so i I totally expect that to happen but thank you guys so much for listening to this edition of nfl university please subscribe rate and review to this show and everything that we're doing on the sb nation nfl show drop that five star review uh follow justice mosqueda on twitter at j-u-m-o-s-q you can follow kp at kp underscore show i'm steven serta that's where you guys can find me we'll talk to you next week